episode two of the Farm Exec Podcast. I'm Michelle Miscali, Senior Editor at Farm Exec Magazine. And I'm Kristen Harm, the Associate Editor of Farm Exec Magazine. For those of you just joining us for the first time, let me tell you a little bit about Farm Executive Magazine. We are a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. So Kristen, what are we talking about in today's episode? Well, this episode is all about the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, and that took place in the beginning of January. So we're going to talk to our editorial director, Lisa Henderson. She is a first-timer, so she's going to give us her insights and what she thought about it, her experience and takeaways. And then we're going to be joined by Mark O'Connor, who is the chief operating officer at Curant Health. And he's actually a bit more of a seasoned attendee, so he has some more insights based on, you know, how the conference has shifted over the years and, but they have, you know, overlying tones. Yeah, Mark actually wrote an article for our website, farmexec.com, about what he learned at this year's conference. And after we read it, we were like, we got to have him on the podcast to talk about this because it was so insightful. And you can actually read his article on our website at farmexec.com. Just search his name and it should come up. And it's Mark with a C, Mark O'Connor. So let's take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to talk to Mark O'Connor. Hey, Kristen. What's up, Michelle? Did you see this article on global health partnerships in the pharma industry? I did, actually. I edited it. Oh, I must have missed it on our website, but I was just scrolling through Instagram and saw it. Wow, it's a really good thing that you follow the Instagram account, Farm Executive, or else you would have missed it. I would have totally missed it. That's why I follow Farm Executive on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, and all of our other social media channels, which can be found at farmexec.com. Hi, Mark. Um, We have Mark O'Connor on our podcast. Thank you for joining us, Mark. Uh, It's a pleasure. Thanks again for the the invitation, and I look forward to our chat here this morning. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Sure. Uh, Curon Health, we're one of the fastest-growing large healthcare companies in the country, and we are solely focused on improving the outcomes of, of patients and, and typically the chronic condition patients that um, are, are the topic of much discussion. And we're, we're a very specialized care management and medication management services provider um, directly for our manufacturer partners and other healthcare stakeholders. Again, we're solely focused on measuring and improving that patient outcome. And a little bit on myself, uh, I'm an, actually an, an engineer by training, as is a big chunk of our leadership staff. So we're a very, very process-driven company. So we really develop the process to manage patients. And um, again, we've become one of the fast-growing large healthcare companies because there are so many carrots and sticks out there now focused on exactly that. How do we improve that patient journey and, and increase outcomes? So um, our growth is really predicated by the fact that what we've been doing for 18 years has really come in vogue now. Excellent. So, Mark, we're wondering if you've ever been to J.B. Morgan before. Or is this I have. I've been time? five times. And wow. the, the very first time I went, I really had no idea what I was doing there. 
Um, <laughs> and it, it sounds, you know, it sounds kind of quirky, but no one can prepare you, um, you know, for what J.P. Morgan is. You know, the kind of the joke is um, th- those who have been there can't explain it, and those who haven't been there wouldn't understand anyways. But uh, it is definitely an interesting <laughs> That's what we've been told. <laughs> Well, with that, even though apparently you can't explain it, um, what were some of the biggest takeaways that you found from this conference this year? Sure. And um, it, this is always a fabulous conference to go to to really get um, sometimes a 50,000-foot, sometimes a, a one-foot view of the healthcare landscape from everybody, not just one individual business, but really a broad platform. And you know, some of the big takeaways from, from this year is it's, it's amazing how quickly now the healthcare landscape um, can and is changing. How that patient journey is is changing. How how disruptive many um, companies, whether they be brand new or even the stalwarts, um, are all becoming to that that traditional healthcare delivery model. So it, it goes everything. It goes from the the manufacturer's science to technology companies to, to payer platforms to care services. Uh, it, 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 it's just a really interesting um, you know, dynamic that's going on right now because everyone's uh, shifting chairs. You know, for example, you know, you know, three years ago, no, nobody saw you know, Amazon and their influence on the market that, that we still aren't clear on, but we do know Amazon and Berkshire and JPM um, have all gotten together to enter the fray. Um, IDNs are, are becoming more like HMOs. You have companies like GoodRx providing more transparency. Um, everything's changing. It's really um, interesting to see um, that change. And, and maybe the biggest one is that patient outcomes are becoming the center of attraction. And this hasn't always been the case, but it's amazing to see all these disparate healthcare stakeholders now, you know, giving whether it's actual action or lip service, everyone at least is starting to talk about it and and bring their value message to the investment community, focusing on that. And, and this you know, consolidation and the vertical integration that is everywhere um, is really um, pretty focused on how do we provide for a better patient journey from beginning to end. Um, and, and, you know, another takeaway, certainly from the manufacturer side, it's, it's amazing how many manufacturers now are starting to carry that message but are starting to break out of that, that typical SPP hub type model um, as being the cornerstone of that patient journey. And, and really ima- reimagining that patient journey. And, and those manufacturers that, that aren't really starting to give folks that are missing the opportunity. So although I didn't hear that message from every manufacturer at J.P. Morgan, there were certainly many that really are starting to, uh, to embrace this, this idea of the, of the patient journey. That's interesting. Um, and I think you mentioned in your article for PharmExec, which actually can be found on our website at www.farmexec.com, you mentioned the shift from fee-for-service to value is something that was also talked about a lot at J.P. Morgan um, and something also that we're going to be seeing a lot more of. It's also something that we've been covering a lot. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure, sure. And, and I think um, it, it's really, again, this goes back to what I said, how quickly the landscape has, uh, has changed. But nowadays, you know, this is, this is different than five years ago. There are lots of carrots and sticks out there that now tie incentives and, and maybe most importantly reimbursement to patient outcomes. So you, you have you know the, the ACO shared savings and the managed care organization star ratings and hospital Medicare readmission penalties are all really starting to drive this um, what, what I speak a lot about this alignment of the healthcare stakeholders 
Um, as we slowly, I, I'm on that side where it's a slow shift, but first comes the discussion, then comes the action. At least now we're having that discussion. The biggest, and this is really in the, in the recent term change I've seen, it, are the outcome-based contracts the manufacturer and, and payers made. Um, this is this is sea change, and I, I am um, you know convinced that this changes everything. Um, I've been to some conferences, and I, I've heard manufacturers and payers speak that you know it's um, you know sort of a, a rebate program, and and maybe dismiss it flippantly. But I am convinced that that this is far more um, than that, and and I think because I have the clairvoyance on our side, where I don't see this as a um, horizontal type of a, a contract, but really a, a very deep vertical contract. And what we're going to see now is that the, the medical space and the, and the pharma incentives are becoming aligned. And I heard a lot of that discussion at, at J.P. Morgan. The, the plan sponsors are really driving this because the plan sponsors in the past really weren't all that involved in the minutia of the provision of health care for the employees. Well, now they are. Now it's a big line in their, their budget, and they are they're pushing for results. And it's a magnificent opportunity for pharma to now show how their science is impacting the overall healthcare spend through that payer to that that plan sponsor. Real, um, you know, not not just a discussion on, on indiscriminate pricing, but hey, this is how our science is going to impact your patients' lives and your overall spend, Mr. Plan Sponsor. The second piece that, that I heard at JP Morgan is is how these agreements are really going to start connecting the patient um, and the provider more to that manufacturer. And this is where, again, I speak of, um, it, you know, of the vertical component of these outcome-based contracts that really um, are just starting to get embraced. You know, again, this is a, a missing opportunity that I think are going to become much more um, larger constituent pieces of the outcome-based contracts. And what that is is not simply measuring one metric and defining a rebate or, or um, how you're going to measure whether the science uh, is working or not, but having some meaningful connectivity with that provider, more so than, hey, here's just what the drugs will, will do, but through the provider and the patient, more edu- more opportunities for education, more opportunities to, to measure patient outcomes, more opportunity to tie in, hey, our science does this, and here's how it's actually impacting the patient and the cost to that plan, um, that plan sponsor. So um, I, I think it's going to be a huge deal. I think as new science and new drugs are coming out, that manufacturers are going to start, um, as they roll it out, looking at those implications on outcome-based contracts and the science that they're developing. So I think it's going to be tremendously interesting to see, and I, I'm without question you're going to hear more and more discussions about this from the leaders of the manufacturers at J.P. Morgan's and other types of conferences. Also, based on something you said, um, I'm glad that you brought up the Amazon J.P. Morgan um, partnerships that you that you just brought up. Do you think? I mean, it's pretty much they announced that a month after the conference. Um, was there any talk of that at the conference? Um, no, but you know, Amazon is that um, you know the, sort of the big unknown. So everyone is projecting right. what, what they think that, that um, business is going to do in the space. And uh, Kaylee, I this is driven this this relationship, which uh, I am not surprised about at all, because I, I sort of heard um, word from this constituent pieces on the ultimate problem, which is um, c- 
companies themselves. Again, it's the plan sponsors now taking more uh, active role in the healthcare management of their employees. And this made sense, um, not necessarily as a, a go-to-market plan, but hey, we have a lot of employees. You know, let's get more involved in in their their medical outcomes. You know, those that are challenged. Let's let's provide some more services. Let's try to have some more clarity and line of sight into this huge cost bucket, which is now the healthcare spend of those employees. So I think that's what what really drove that. And, and candidly, obviously, Amazon's passion is growing in the space, and Berkshire's and JPM's um, has always been in that space. And if you listen to Jamie Dimon speak, he's probably hinted at this for a little bit. So I think it's interesting to see how that is coming together. I think it's interesting to see how um, IDNs and these, these large uh, groups and hospital systems are also kind of making that push and becoming more like like HMOs. Again, everyone's trying to get a, a little bit longer field of view and, and, and line of sight. So I would imagine you, you will see more and more of these types of um, ventures might be the best word, but, but where, again, large employers are starting to take a more meaningful, active role um, in the healthcare of their employees, which, again, is a huge opportunity for manufacturers to really be able to put their science at the feet of the plan sponsors ultimately and show that correlation between healthy employees and the reduced medical spend and all that stuff that goes on with patients having a better journey and living better lives. Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting, yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up. That was one thing we wanted, you know, we've been talking about a lot, so I'm really glad that you brought that up. Yeah, Michelle and I talk about the the Amazon getting into the pharmasphere almost every day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Mark, you talk about the alignment of healthcare shareholders and um, outcomes-based and manufacturers and how that was like a big, you know, overall over the last couple of years. So how would you really compare this year's conference to – you know, the last five that you went to, you know, the atmosphere, the sentiment, things that they talked about. Sure, sure. And, um, if you, you know, you understand the J.P. Morgan conference, okay, the conference is about the business of healthcare. Okay? Mm-hmm. It, it is not like going to a, a disease-specific uh, conference or an overarching pharma conference. This is the business of, of healthcare. Sure. And what's interesting is, um, as these um, you know, the, the leaders, and these are truly the C-level leaders, are, are speaking. Um, five years ago, when I first started going, or six years, it was very you know by the numbers. Here's the numbers. Here's what we expect to do. Here are the um, the various deals we have made and the acquisitions we've made, and off they went. And every year, it's gotten more and more focused on again outcomes. And they literally, the first year I went, the word patient wasn't used one time. Um, there was a great learning um, for my first visit was, wow, no one here talks about the patient. It, it's all money. And now, um, without question, every year has gotten more and more. And this year was, you know, again, more than last year. People are starting to speak about the patient. They're starting to speak about that journey. They're starting to speak more about um, healthcare as a team-based sport versus an individual company sport. So it's really interesting to see, and I think anyone that, um, has gone to J.P. Morgan for, for multiple years will also attest to how um, you know, different the tenor and tone of these presentations have become. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting um, how it's how that tone has changed because I do remember it being you know obviously investment conference and very money based um, and you're right now we're hearing a lot more patient outcomes um, 
what do you think is driving that? Like, what's behind all of that? Sure. Um, it, it is uh, twofold, candidly. One, um, from a cynic side, is you know, the plan sponsors and, and such, and candidly, the, the, you know, the, the providers, and most importantly, us, you know, the, the, the patients. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's not necessarily feel good, feel good you know, to have us as numbers. We want to hear that the healthcare community actually cares about the provision of healthcare and us and our patient's journey and the journey of our sick kids and, and, uh, and aging parents, that everyone is aligned, that those healthcare stakeholders are aligned on improving this, this care. So it's gone from no service at all to a little bit of lip service to, um, again, with all those carrots and sticks out there starting to align incentives, it, it, it's now more than lip service there that are having to actually address it. And there have been so many new creative services companies you know, some that look like us that are in the care management space, some are in the technology space, but all these new tools out there to help, you know, the, the stalwart healthcare stakeholders in engaging that patient to have a better journey, to have some real proof sources that say, hey, look, these folks are living a better life. And maybe most importantly, that by doing what we do and aligning these, these healthcare stakeholders, we are reducing that overall healthcare spend while improving the outcome, which, um, you know, is really key and can really, um, something that the analysts now really want to hear. So, Mark, do you think that that helps the reputation of pharma? Uh, absolutely. I think it, this is such a huge opportunity. And going back, even touching on the outcome-based contracts, where, um, you know, again, very candidly, you know, the, 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 the industry sometimes gets a very bad rap. Oh, it's the, the, the big, bad pharmaceutical companies when, you know, I think they could, the opportunity there is to do such a better job of, hey, look how our science is improving everybody's life. Okay, let's focus on the patient. Let's not focus on that, that great little red pill that we've invented. Let's focus on what that red pill is doing for you, Mr. Patient, how the journey is better, Mr. Plan Sponsor, how you've got you know, better employees who are happier employees. And to us as a nation, hey, look, we're reducing the overall health care spend and, and improving the delivery model. There's a huge, huge opportunity for manufacturers to start speaking a different language here. Again, because of this alignment, because of the, the, the carrots and sticks out there, and principally because of these outcome-based contracts. Well, Mark, thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to be with us and to provide a little bit more information and a better view of the J.B. Morgan Conference for our listeners today. Sure. Happy to do it. And um, it is obviously, um, I, I highly recommend the conference. Again, it's, it's great to see all the healthcare stakeholders um, in, in one platform really speaking on uh, where the business is going. It, it's always enlightening and never boring. Are you trying to reach top-level pharmaceutical executives? If so, you should think about working with Pharmaceutical Executive Magazine. You know, we have a total audience of over 96,000, and our original content is produced by a team of full-time in-house writers and editors. Like us? Yeah, Michelle, like you and me, Mike Christel, Lisa Henderson, Julian Upton, and Lisa Higgins. Wow, bet that makes us stand out from the competition. Absolutely. We offer a variety of business solutions like email marketing, online advertising, and custom content. Seriously, what are you waiting for? Contact our publisher, todd.baker at ubm.com, today, and, and let, let us help you reach your business goals.
we're here today with Lisa Henderson, our Editor-in-Chief of Farm Exec. Hi, Lisa. Hi, how are you this morning? Doing well. You're in a good mood, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for those of you listening, we are recording this podcast the day after Super Bowl, and Lisa is a lifelong, huge Eagles fan. So Go she actually bird. has <laughs> her Eagles jersey day. on. <laughs> So we might get a little uh, carried away here in the, in the podcast. We're going to try to stay on topic, but, you know, if we throw some Eagles references in there. We can't help ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lisa, this was your first time at J.P. Morgan Conference. Could you give us a little insight on what it was like for your first time? So not as exciting as the first Super Bowl win, but, <laughs> however, I have to say um, I had – I had known that PharmExec had gone to JPM pretty much every year for a while, but having worked over on applied clinical trials, you know, we didn't really go there, and I didn't understand the ins and the outs of JPM at all, so I was Googling a lot, and it's, it's almost like a secret society, I guess, like you don't really know how it works until you get there. So the attendees, I think, were between eight and 9,000, but that's not representative of how many people were actually there because, you know, the conference itself was in all of the West End, you know, and it's very security controlled and it was packed. But all the other surrounding hotels were booked, rooms, they had suites, you know, just tons of people just meet there. And based on, you know, my conversations, it's mostly they get to see all of their clients or all of their prospects or all their potential prospects all at once, shake hands, meet, greet, so they can get a card and keep that relationship going. So Lisa, when you got back from the conference, you were telling us a lot about uh, CROs, EHR potential, and some other initiatives. So can you expand on that a little bit? So I'll start with EHRs. I mean, in, when you get involved in the clinical trial side, or the healthcare side, but obviously I was on clinical trials forever, and they kind of look like, they look at the EHR as the holy grail. Like if we could get the patient information, although you can't because of HIPAA and de-identification, but if you could get data from their health record that would de-identify them, but let a doctor know that they would be eligible based on their prognosis or diagnosis, that they would be eligible for a clinical trial, that would be great. And then vice versa, you know, if you're in a clinical trial, you could have your whole uh, longitudinal healthcare literally in an EHR, because clinical trials data is usually, it's always separated from your health record. But if you think about it, it is a care option. People can go into clinical trials as a care option. So. Anyway, so but it, in the clinical trials world and in the pharma world, you know, and on the commercial side of pharma, EHRs can be used, you know, along with claims data anyway, to find out where they should be marketing their drugs or which doctors they should be targeting for education. But I found that the EHR companies really are not, it's not a thing for them. They're just not excited about it. They don't see it as a increasing area of focus. It's more like yeah, you can use our health record and put in an API that will filter the information back. And but they don't, it's not like they really want to be a beneficial arena for patients, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, and that's so interesting because I know we've talked about this before, how we get pitched so many stories yeah. on this and how Tons. it's like so, everyone's pushing this as a trend. And, you know, and then 
for you to come back from JP Morgan and, and give us information about that and you know have that conversation, it seems like another like a divide. Right. And so that's kind of my takeaway from investment and business strategy is very focused. It's very, very focused. And your business plan has to be your core. You know, they don't want to see any deviation from hmm. the core. I guess, you know, because they just, that's what the investment investors are looking for. So they didn't really talk about healthcare data integration. Cerner was focusing on, because now, um, I mean, there's a whole, I could talk for hours about <laughs> EHR, but let's just say there's, Epic and Cerner remain at the top of the EHR chain, um, and Cerner's focused on how to maximize the physician visit and the activities of the patient, but I don't understand how, you know, what that means in practice. You know, they just kind of said, this is what we want to do. We want to maximize that. So maximizing on the patient side to me would be, like I said, having your full care, treatment, everything, your whole history in your EHR, which we kind of touched on, and then um, for physicians being able to have a place where all of their patient data is, but also that could send up alerts or signals for either tests they should, they could consider considering the diagnosis or, you know, clinical trials or biomarkers they should be looking for, that kind of thing, so... That's interesting. Can you talk a little about the CROs too? We were so CROs is fascinating to me, of course, because again, with my long history with applied clinical trials. But what is going to be coming up for the commercial side is that you've had a lot of M and A's on the CRO contract research organization side. So you've had Quintiles and IMS. That merger was two years ago. When um, then there was INC Research, which is the clinical research arm with Inventive, and so both this past year, INC merged um, 2017, and then at this conference, they rebranded their CRO and CCO commercial contract organization to Cineos Health, so they announced that, and um, their CEO, Alastair McDonald, who was on the INC side, on the clinical research side, is now the CEO of the combined entity, so he was speaking a lot about um, why they did that. Separately, you know, IQVIA did not speak at the breakout sessions, but IQVIA is the rebranding of Quintiles and IMS. So they had their rebranding, I guess, in December, I want to say. Yeah, uh, yeah. late last year. Yeah, yeah. Late so, 2017. And then there's other, you know, Icon Acquired Mappy, which is another way to get into the post-marketing Area. So what Alistair McDonald was explaining, and I could say that it's probably across the board why any large CRO, and Parkcell's already done this for a while, but why any CRO, large CRO, would want to go out of the R&D, out of the development into commercial, it's because, you know, they want to be there for the whole pipeline. So they just want to be there to, you know, if, if we're doing your trial, we can give you advice earlier on how to launch your drug or where to take your drug, which therapeutic areas you can consider testing the drug and then we'll help you with the trial design and then we can help you with the launch and Cineos they were saying you know they're very focused on developing a integrated services group I think they actually called it integrated services group 
no, Integrated Solutions Group to bridge that with the, the uh, manufacturer. So if they're doing a trial with Merck and then they wanna extend that, go to Merck Commercial. So they're trying to bank on having that relationship from the full chain of the pipeline. And the reason for that is CROs now have 70% penetration rate on the trial side. So they're pretty much maxed out, you know, so they're, they're yeah. looking for more opportunities and commercial is still kind of a new place for outsourcing. So I see that coming. That's going to be interesting to watch. Very interesting, because if you think about the issues that we've covered in applied clinical trials regarding outsourcing and the relationship between the CROs and the sponsors, which is what we call manufacturers on the on the trial side, but regardless, with the pharmaceutical companies, there's a lot of oversight that needs to happen because ultimately your, your pharmaceutical company is responsible for all the trial conduct. They will also be responsible for any of the branding that goes out or any of the launch materials, and there's a lot of FDA oversight on that side. So it's going to be interesting because we have had so many articles in Applied Clinical Trials about the relationships and how to make them more successful that it'll, it, it's going to be like all over again, I think. <laughs> it's just going to be that situation all over again. How, learning how to maximize efficiencies with your outsourcer and make sure that everyone's aligned and that you are doing the best job for your client on the CRO side and on the, on the manufacturer side, making sure that everything's, all the dot, I's are dotted and T's are crossed, you know, for the regulatory. So it'll be interesting. We, um, for those of you listening also who are not familiar, we mentioned Applied Clinical Trials a few times. Uh, that is one of the other magazines that our parent company, UBM, publishes. And Lisa is also the editorial director for that. And you've been the editorial director for that for... Many years. Many years. <laughs> we'll just leave oh it at many it'll years. Be 11 years next month. <laughs> but for those of you well, listening who didn't know yeah. that, I just wanted to um, add that in because we did talk about that quite a bit during this conversation. So Lisa, what surprised you the most about the JPM conference? Jeez, I don't even know. I learned that the v, the venture capital funding of the past five years is what is driving this current biotech environment. So I know that, you know, there have been fits and starts in tech startups, but this biotech, you know, is kind of just, well, we know where they are, you know, Cambridge, San Diego, San Francisco, a little bit of Philadelphia, a little bit down in North Carolina. But, you just um, had to work in the Philadelphia. I know, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Philly, um, they advertised out there. That, if I can remember, they, they're really going on this cell therapy thing because the CAR-T, because CAR-T was just approved with Camarilla, and that was out of Penn, so mm -hmm. Penn Medicine, I think. But... Um, Regardless, so there's a lot of money here. You know, that's where this funding is, and that is either that's a double-edged sword because, as you know, if you're not turning around quickly for VCs, you can get a program killed. Well, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Thanks for having me. This was really insightful, and I think it was great to yeah. talk to both Mark and Lisa um, about yeah. J.P. Morgan. Yeah, there was definitely some crossover between what Lisa and Mark said, but also... You know, they both had their own takeaways, which were really insightful. So thanks for coming on. Sure. Anytime. And now it's time for our segment, Leadership Tips from Pharma Execs. Uh, this is Mark O'Connor from Girard Health, and I wanted to share with you uh, real leadership tips that have 
um, guided me throughout my career. And uh, the first and, and foremost, which I think might be the single most important tip I could give to any healthcare leader, and that is that um, you really need to embrace the idea that folks who say they are winners are not the folks that you want to surround yourself with. You, you show me someone who loves to win, and I will show you a loser. One of the most um, important questions that I ever ask any potential candidate for any position in our firm is, are you someone who likes to win or hates to lose? And at Curon Health, we only hire hate-to-losers. Those are the folks who refuse to give up. Those are the folks who expect to win. Those are the folks who will fight for that last inch to, in our case, improve the outcomes of, of patients and connect with our providers and um, provide a patient journey for our manufacturer partners. Those, those are the folks that you really want. We hope you enjoyed this week's Farm Exec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on. If you've enjoyed the podcast, take a screen grab on the device that you're listening on and send us a photo and comment on Twitter at Farm Exec. Remember that you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, on Instagram at farmexecutive, and on YouTube, which you can find on our website. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of FarmExec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editorial director lisa.henderson at ubm.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at todd.baker at ubm.com. <laughs>